right, so welcome to the Nurses in the No Show. I'm your co-host, Kristen, and this is... The other co-host, Hannah. And we would like to welcome you to the... Nurses, Nurses in the, the No Show! show. As promised, here is Season 2, Episode 6, Part B, with the Red Beer RN, Christian. Stay tuned. Christian, did you want to talk about, like, your diagnosis and how that shaped you as a nurse at all? Or do you want to, I know you talk about that a lot on your platform. Yeah, um, absolutely we could. Um, so for those that don't know, I um, was diagnosed with diabetes at 27 years old. Um, wow. So I was, that was... As I was working, you know, these two jobs, so, you know, 60, 70 hours a week between the two of them on night shift. Um, and, of course, one of those things where I should have known better. I, all the signs were there. Um, as a nurse, like if a patient presented to me and said all this thing, all these things, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you for sure have diabetes. But for me, <laughs> it was like, I, you know, I, I was thirsty all the time. Mm. And but we had just gotten back from Disney World. And oh. I got a sinus infection while I was there. So I was like, oh, I'm mouth breathing because of the sinus infection. So that's why my <laughs> mouth is dry. I'm thirsty. And that went on for a while. And, and it's then, hot, right? In Florida. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so then, you know, I didn't correspond the increased thirst that time to the Mickey waffle and the churros. Oh, um, no. Of course which not. Which was obviously driving my blood sugar through the roof. Disney calories um, aren't calories, just so you no, know. No, no. They don't count. They're zero. Mm -hmm. Um. And then I came home and my vision was starting to get blurry. I was like, well, I just worked seven shifts in a row. I'm tired, obviously. Like that's why my vision's blurry. And so that went on. <laughs> that went on for like two months. And then oh, wow. it was like two days after Christmas, I was working a shift. And within the first five hours of my shift, I had put down like seven liters of water and oh still felt like my tongue was sandpaper. I couldn't see the Phillips monitor from the foot of the bed, like looking at the wall. It was like 10 feet away and the numbers were so blurry. Mm. I was like, what is going on? Oh, oh, I think I'm diabetic. <laughs> Did and you think so, you were having a stroke first? Because a lot of nurses, I, that's what we jumped to. We're like, am I right? having a stroke? <laughs> brain tumor, brain tumor. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so I went to the ED and sure enough, my sugar was in the 600s. And oh, gosh. I was diagnosed then. Um, initially, we were treating it as type 2, and I would start a medication, you know, start with orals, and it'd mm -hmm. get a little better, kind of plateau, and then start getting worse. So we'd add a new thing in, get a little better, start plateau, or I'd plateau, start getting worse. And I was making all these lifestyle modifications. I was losing weight, you know, starting to work out again. And it just kept, it was just this constant circle of better, plateau, worse. And so... It wasn't until I actually had started working with figs and went out to LA for a shoot. And one of the doctors there, um, Dr. Mauricio from New York, I was talking with him and explaining it. And he was like, you need to look up latent autoimmune diabetes of adulthood and just ask your oh physician about that. And so I went home and I looked it up and I was like, this is exactly what's happening. And so I asked to have the labs drawn that would indicate that. And sure as, sure as heck, that's what it was. Um, and so I was able to get on the right treatment course. But basically what that means is over the course of a few months, I became a insulin-dependent diabetic and my pancreas, my autoimmune system just shut down my pancreas. 
So I call myself a type one now, um, technically like latent autoimmune, they call it type one and a half, but I'm, I'm on an insulin pump and use a continuous glucose monitor. So, uh, it's been, it's been interesting trying to live with that diagnosis. Um, yeah, I can imagine. And I realized, I realized now my knowledge of diabetes before having it was like from a nursing standpoint was so just barbaric almost. It was just, you know, (laughs) I'd have these patients come in and DKA and, you know, we'd go to send them out to the other unit or discharge home. And I'd be like, all right, remember, watch your carb intake, exercise, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure every single one of them was like, oh, okay. Rolling their eyes. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you don't get it. And now that I'm living that life, there's so much to it. And it's given me such a big appreciation um, for my patients that come in who just say like, no, I, I just decided to stop checking my blood sugar for a few days. I got tired of poking my fingers before I'd be like, well, how hard is it to poke your fingers? Now I realize like you just get decision fatigue and you don't want to have to do that. You just want to be able to check out and live life like a normal person and not have to be like, well, let me do the math in my head on how many carbs I have to take for this. Yeah. It's just, or how many units of insulin I have to take for the amount of carbs I'm eating. It's just, it's a lot. And so it's definitely given me a better appreciation for my diabetic population. Yeah, I can, I can't even imagine at all. Like that's, uh, yeah. (laughs) A different, a different appreciation, but I think you also bring a different perspective to the patient because not only like, I mean, we talked about this before too, but not only are you like telling them, but you're, you can relate on a different level. And I think a lot of times, like you said, and Hannah said, you start preaching to these people and, and they take it as preaching and they roll their eyes and they're like, you don't know where I'm coming from, but you have that ability to take a step back and be like, no, I do know where you're coming from because I'm living it. And that speaks volumes yeah. to your practice as well. Yeah. And you just be like, oh, here's some tips and tricks that, you know, have helped me or yeah, it, it it, it allows you to connect with them on a much more personal level. Yeah. And I mean, the biggest thing I try to teach is that it's not one, like you can't just overhaul your whole life at once because you're not going to stick to that. Yeah, you have right. to, it starts with little changes, um, whether it's, okay, you, you have to have your Coca-Cola every morning. You can't function <laughs> without it. Okay. So you have that Coca-Cola, but what are you giving up later in the day? Like sacrificing mm-hmm. the little Debbie cake or... Um, (laughs) making sure you're going on an extra 15 minute walk, 30 minute walk, like it's, it's balance. And so if there are certain things that you are just not willing to give up, well, then we have to figure out what we can add or get rid of to balance that out. Um, so you don't have to, you don't have to all of a sudden be like, well, guess what? I'm, I'm vegan and a triathlete now. Um, (laughs) and you've never ran in your life and you're like, I'm going to do this now. (laughs) That's like me with exercise. Retweet retweet for sure. (laughs) You know those people at the beginning of the year, they're like, I'm going to get a gym membership. 2021 looked a little different this year, of course. But, you know, at-home workout sales have just probably been through the roof. (laughs) You can't even find some of this stuff anymore. Oh, yeah. There was a huge shortage. Yeah. 
But, you know, in six months or in a couple months, we'll be able to go on Facebook and for like, what is that, that yard sale or local yard sale app? Get things for so cheap. That's what I'm waiting on. That's why I haven't started working out again. That and I procrastinate. (laughs) You know, he said baby steps. I stopped drinking soda. So just chill, people. There you go. That's it. It's the truth. I'm like, all right, let me, um, I got a desk that raises now. And then, um, I think Hannah, I sent you a picture. My, I have like a under the desk bicycle. So I just do that. I'm afraid I'm going to get a <laughs> I built a desk over my treadmill so I can just, I put it on just like two to three miles an hour. And yeah, I sit that's and awesome. can type my papers or read my homework. And then I also got yep. a standing desk for in my office. Just, yep. Just, just so I'm out. not sitting all the time, especially with school. Like I sit there and read and it, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. So I'll, um, if you can uh, send a picture of your treadmill and the way that you did it, because uh, I think I'm going to do that. Listen, I'm no, I'm no craftsman. <laughs> no um, I am no handyman. I used two by fours and there was an old ping pong table in my basement oh, from nice. the previous owner. So I just cut that. And- <laughs> awesome it's uh it it works we'll just say that it works hey (laughs) but that's like that's the thing you you have to make these little (laughs) these little changes in order to like adapt if not i mean i and i'm one of these people i can only sit for so long i can i mean i don't have i don't have diagnosed add or adhd but like i struggle and i i do i do have uh adhd i've dealt with it my entire life i've been on yeah. meds since like elementary school and so I, I get it too. it's uh it's hard it's, especially when you're hard. reading content and you've got to get through it all because it's all important but if it's not something that like you are even remotely interested in it is it is so hard to get through basically and my current uh nursing leadership semester that i'm in right now i oh. yeah like when we were talking earlier about commending nurse managers and all of that I, I'm with that 100% because I'm reading this content and it is something that I have no desire. <laughs> but it And so I was the same way, but it gave me a lot of insight and, and I felt like I had a different perspective, but I also felt very like, um, like keyed into an underground world of what of yeah. operations, because you're like, you sit back and you look and be like, I know why you just did that. Because mm-hmm. of your retention issues. You know what I mean? Like, you feel like you know something now. At least I did. But yeah, <laughs> that's just my brain. <laughs> There's a running commentary. Sometimes it doesn't filter very well. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's actually me. <laughs> I'm the one that has no filter. And I've really been holding it together on this podcast. <laughs> Except when all the time you have to cut it out. That's okay. Gives me something Okay. We're having too much fun today. I, I'm um, loving this. Because it's okay, very let's organic. Go. It is very organic today. You, <laughs> sorry, you decided that you were going to travel during this pandemic. What made you ultimately kind of decide to make that move for yourself? Um, it came down to um, financial. Mm. Just, yeah. uh, there's not going to be... I mean, hopefully there's not going to be much longer where these types of incentives for nurses are going to be around. I mean, hopefully we start getting this more under control. And I just realized that, well, it especially happened once my unit hired a traveler. Mm -hmm. I was like, these people are literally doing the same exact thing I'm doing 
for so much more. Yeah, three and four times the amount. I was just like, yeah, I would be stupid not to capitalize on that. And I have a 10-month-old and my wife. And so that's kind of what was keeping me from doing it all yeah. last year. But the more my wife and I talked about it, it's like, I mean, she doesn't, she hasn't been able to work this whole year because of the pandemic. Mm. So she's been home with a baby. What's the difference of being cooped up in the middle of the Midwest in your house with a baby versus cooped up in an Airbnb or a hotel kind of get the taste for it. Yeah. But then we're thinking the next one will be, you know, probably Pacific Northwest somewhere. Nice. Oh, that'll be awesome. You know, kind of travel around for the next year and get myself uh, in a little better spot financially to where when I start clinical for my NP, I don't have to work full time. Yeah. And so, and, yeah. and that gets time with Yeah, exactly. And, and that'll give you that. That's the beauty of nursing. You can, if, if you, if you really want to, you can, you can establish a wonderful work-life balance. I mean, I don't know, Christian, were you a nights person or were you a days nurse or like a combination? So I was nights. And then Mm -hmm. when I, a couple months after getting my diabetes diagnosis, I switched to days. Yeah. This first contract that I will be on will be nights. So that will be interesting. Um, but I also, I didn't want to throw myself into a brand new unit mm-hmm. on days yeah. where, you know, I'm not only am I learning how to be a travel be nurse travel. Yeah. and learn a whole new unit, I didn't want to have to like learn the, the day shift processes of a whole nother place quite yet. So, yeah. So let's, let's explore that for our listeners that don't really understand that there is that difference that you're kind of like hinting towards between that day shift process and the night shift process. Walk us kind yeah, of through so, that. Um, on days you, there's a lot of ancillary staff that you deal with. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be dealing with one management being around, um, a lot more, um, to physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech yeah. therapy, all these people that are going to kind of interrupt, not interrupt. <laughs> I mean, they're, they, they're they there. And <laughs> you can say it. But you, you kind of have a flow for your day and that sometimes gets thrown off depending on who needs to see your patients or anything like that. Yeah. And so, um, and then also you're dealing with a lot more um, of a care team. So, you know, maybe you've I don't know how your hospital, your hospitals run, but we're not a closed ICU. So like the, the intensivist doesn't run it for every patient. So someone, you might have a hospitalist, someone, you might have the intensivist, someone, so you're interacting with a lot of people and on nights, there's a little more, I don't want to say laid back because it's 24 hour job. You're still doing a lot, but you're not dealing with as much of the ancillary staff, the extra processes, procedures, um, that you would normally be doing on days. And so I figured starting as a new traveler, it would be nice to kind of just have that night shift flow and figure out traveling first. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the next assignment, you know, go back to days and throw myself back into that world. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's important to note for anybody who's interested in traveling, regardless if you're doing ICU or not. Um, but it's also important for our new nurses and um, especially if you find yourself in like practicum or, you know, the first part of your training, however, it's, it's, um, 
scheduled for you and you're struggling on days, it's okay to take a step back and go talk to your educator or the manager and say, hey, let me try nights. Just from that, if you have a hard time trying to keep up with all the tasks plus learning all the new content, sometimes starting on nights is not a bad thing, especially in these higher acuity areas because of exactly what Christian just brought up. I mean, um, it's it's an excellent point. And, and like you said, it is 24-7. So sometimes you do have those emergency procedures. And the other thing to know about nights is you do kind of work with a skeleton crew. So on days, you do have a lot of support from these um, like outside sources. But just knowing at nights, you don't have as much support from management, from, you know, uh, physical like physicians there unless you're in a place that has one um 24 7 or that's staying on the unit so those are those are definitely things to um, put in your pros and cons list for your decision making for sure absolutely so christian you mentioned a little bit like you're in school right now what are you what are you studying so i currently the plan is acute care NP um, okay. as a master's, um, maybe eventually going back for a DNP, um, probably not until they decide to compensate for that. <laughs> That's how and, I feel. <laughs> and, and pay appropriately. Um, but doing acute care NP uh, is the, the goal right now. I still am trying to, to decide what I want to be when I grow up. And so... <laughs> My thought process, my thought process is that I wanted to still be in critical care, but working alongside like a pulmonology team or, and some intensivists and being able to do procedures, intubate, place lines, that kind of stuff. But after this year, I don't, I don't know. Cause like we had talked about earlier, um, life man, different as an ICU nurse, um, before there were a lot more wins in the ICU and now it doesn't seem that way. So, and I know that's hopefully only temporary. Um, but yeah, just kind of feeling a little burnt out, um, on that setting. So having diabetes, I've been thinking about how cool it would be to work in an endocrine office and work with other diabetics. Um, so that they have a provider who knows where they are and what they are going through. Yes. And, and, and this is the beauty of nursing, right? I mean, honestly, you, you get into nursing and you don't, you know, you want to help people, but you might not know exactly what you want to be when you grow up. But the beauty of it is you don't have to stick with one thing. Nobody, you know, it's not like you've decided to go and like, I'm going to just because of for the sake of doing it, but medicine, right? If you go in and you decide you've done all this schooling and say you're a surgeon, it is so hard for you to go like, you know, scale back and decide now you want to be a labor and delivery doctor, you know? (laughs) I mean, not a lot of them do that. And, but in the event that you decided, Hey, I'm burnt out or I don't want to do this. That is your career. You've spent a long time in residency and even longer time in just doing the surgical portion of it. And then now you've got a practice in it and it's established. That's hard. Right. But in nursing, we, we have been, gifted this wonderful opportunity to be beautiful little butterflies <laughs> just flutter wherever we feel you know we want to get this new education or challenge ourselves in this new area and you know we've Hannah and I we've seen nurses that went from L&D um which I always say L&D is the extreme to the ICU um it parallels in the 
you know, of course, a new life. And that is very like intense, but it's also very different than what we do. Like if I had a woman that was going into labor, I would just be like tapping out all over the place because I'm like, I can't do this. Like, this is not for me. But that's the beauty of nursing, right? One day you could do ICU. Next day you could be doing in the ED. You could go do procedures, circulating in the OR, or even advance yourself to becoming the provider. And not a lot of jobs um, offer that or even have those yeah, I mean, kind of tracks. Even if you just were like, I'm I'm done with patients for a while. Yeah. Like I, I'm <laughs> tapping out on the emotional connection. You can go do nursing informatics or yes. any sort of innovation, quality. I mean, yeah. so many different things you can go to. Case management. Can, yeah. Yeah. It's endless. And that's a that's another reason why, you know, Hannah and I sat down and we're like, okay, we want to do a podcast. We want to help educate other nurses to make them in the know as well. But, you know, we don't know what we don't know, right? But a lot of nurses feel like there is nothing outside of bedside. Like they feel like um, in school that it is pushed that you have to do bedside. But there, there's the beauty of nursing is you can still do a PRN bedside job so you don't lose those skills, but you can also be doing, like you said, informatics, case management, you know, um, quality assurance. You, you can work from anything. home as a nurse. Like, I mean, I'm testament of that. I haven't really talked about it very much, but it's it's that's the beauty of of our profession. We can be just about anything we want to be. Yeah. Safely. <laughs> <laughs> and the the beauty of of zero degree like, okay, yeah, you maybe you want to do acute care now, and maybe down the line you decide that you know what? I just want something a little more lax where I don't have to work, you know, 12 hour shifts and I'd much rather work in a clinic. I can go get my postmaster cert in it in a year and go work in an endocrine clinic. And you know what I mean? Like it's not a big deal. And they decide that maybe DNPs get paid more, or I find, you know, a, an employer that would be willing to pay for that portion of it, go back and do that and then teach. Like you can do. Yes, exactly. Endless things. A hundred exactly. And I think education for nurses is very natural. It's a very natural transition because that's what we do. We're lifelong learners, but we're also at heart. Like if you sit and you talk to any nurse, um, we're educators. We're we're there. We're like championing like for you or I, I call it jockeying because of horses and stuff, but we're like we're there for you, you know, and trying to make either help you reach your health goal or professional goal or, you know, just get you through this acute time in your life. That That's why, like you said, that education is also available. I think I'm rambling. No, not <laughs> at all. Okay. I was just, okay. I got a mental image of, uh, you know, when you jockeying. said jockeying, just yeah. me, you know, as a tiny human on the back of a horse. That's like, what I, you can that's do this. I, you can get your blood under control. We're going to win this race. We'll just put our blinders on and focus on the goal that's set ahead. Now, now I'm going to start referring to all my patients by weird racehorse names. So thanks. Yes. Man of War. <laughs> doing great today. <laughs> Seabiscuit. Not so good. Too many biscuits. My name's Kirsten. I'm going to be your nurse today. <laughs> and we're going to win this race together. 
Oh, Lord. I'm, I'm that, I was that nurse that, like, we would be talking and, like, one of my ICU patients that could talk. And I'd be like, do you do you want to see pictures of my horses? And and show people who didn't really want to see them. But, like, here's the horse. Here's the That's dog. That's how I am with pictures of my dog. Yes! And then now pictures of the baby. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, you didn't want to see these, but you're, you're going to get to. And I've always had great patients who are, like, super – I mean, they love it. They might just yeah. be faking it, but – I thought it was authentic. <laughs> yeah, nowhere else to be Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> you can't so, go anywhere, so why don't you well, just view all of these? Right. You're in your 12 by 12, and uh, in, for your viewing pleasure. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. And that's a lot of reasons why I left the bedside, is because I was like, I'm burnt out, and then something's got to give. And I was either going to travel. And then this, this position, like pop, my friend was like, Hey, come work for my wife. And I was like, okay. sure. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Not take a pay cut, get pay me, pay me even more. Like, okay, let's do it. I, I mean, I do the same cool. thing. I, I look at these travel positions and I'm like, I could go do it. Like, I mean, like I told you, I show horses, we have a bus, we have a horse trailer. I could go do the camping things, save tons on like that housing side of it. But mm-hmm. on the flip side with me being in school, I know like that's where all my attention needs to go right now. And so trying to navigate a new facility, a new state, or even like the same state, but like kind of like you do a couple hours away. I mean, I have responsibilities. Like, I mean, I have horses that are retired that are at home. I have a dog. Like I have all these excuses kind of, but it's also personal. Like those are the personal factors that play into my professional decisions at this moment. So, I mean, if I wasn't in school, I think I would have made Hannah get in the car and we would be, I don't know. I don't think we would be in California because of tax reasons, but probably like a non-income state like Texas. We'd be in Texas right now. Yeah. And that's another it'll thing. Be, <laughs> it'll be interesting. Everyone says that to me. I've had so many people like threaten me and be like, just come travel with me. Your boss will give you the, the time off. And they totally would. But I'm like, eh. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. I think we should move on to the three R's, Kristen. Okay. Yeah. Now that we just rambled and just chatted. <laughs> right? Okay. So we have this, the like at the end of every episode, we ask each one of our um, people yes. who come on, our guests. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. I'm like, what's that word? Starts with a G. Um, yes, we ask each one of our guests um, to share three R's. And those are um, regrets that they may have had in their career. And regrets don't necessarily have to be negative um, in a negative light. It could be just something that you would have um, liked to have redone. Or even like if you you regret not traveling sooner, uh, something of that nature. Um, the next one would be redos. Anything in your life, even if it was like something that you would like to go back and just redo. Or even a time in your life that you were like, this is so great. I would love to go back and live in it again. And then the last one would be um, to date, what is the, the biggest reward in your career um, so far? And so if you, if you need help, we'll, we'll kind of prompt you through what each R is. I know we're kind of throwing it at you, but uh, my thought process behind three R's is it gives our listeners a little bit more insight into who you are um, as a person, both personally and professionally and how, you know, you kind of got to where you're at now. All right. I know I threw a lot at you. <laughs> That's all right. All right. So the three R's starting with regrets. <laughs> 
man. Okay. So regrets. Um, definitely. I think not, I, I regret not traveling sooner. Um, not even just because of the pandemic, but just, uh, in general, not starting traveling before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I was always of the mindset that I was going to be very loyal to this one facility for my entire career. Same. And then, <laughs> and then I realized that that loyalty might not necessarily be extended back toward me. Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, when things get rough being compensated appropriately or anything like that. And so, um, while I appreciate my time there, I think I would have looking back, it would have been nice to maybe travel sooner, but you know, who knows that might've, you know, put off or would have changed the timeline of me having my daughter. And I certainly don't regret that. So (laughs) everything happens the way it's supposed to, um, other regrets, um, or redos, uh, I still don't have my CCRN because I've always just been terrified that like I, I'm not good enough to take that test yet. And so now I'm getting to that point where I, I would really like to, I'm you know trying to study to take that. And it's like, oh, I should have just done this years ago. Yeah. Um, and then other redos, uh, not working two ICU jobs at the same time, working 70 hours a week. Mm. Uh, yeah. Just, that would have. Would you have like picked up a different job doing something else, like I don't know, Indo or? That would have been awesome. Or GI. I yeah. I watched my GI team that comes through, and all of those doctors are so kind, and all of the mm-hmm. nurses seem to absolutely love what they're doing. Um, so I would have done something, yeah, like procedures, like GI or yeah. uh, I'm a pick line nurse, um, something along something those less lines. Stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Something where I don't come home with so much decision fatigue every day. Yeah. And I love that, the decision to f- fatigue, like the fact that you're able to like put a label on you it love because it. it's it's true. No, I don't love the fact that that exists, but the fact that it's labeled and you can kind of like say this is what this is instead of a it's just like a overall negative feeling like, oh, I had a bad day. No, you can you can label it and see it for what it is once it is labeled and address it. Well, it's that it's that feeling of coming home at the end of the day and my wife being like, well, what do you want for dinner? It's like. <laughs> Honestly, I can't think (laughs) of anything. Like I have made so many decisions today between nursing, between diabetes, but like with all that, I just, I'm, I'm going to check out. I'm just going to check out and let you make this, this decision. Yeah. I I haven't really thought about it like that, but now that you say it, I'm like, in hindsight, it's true. Now you know why you can never pick where you want to eat. Yeah, you I mean, it's just you make so Mark. many high-level decisions throughout the day with your patients that are yeah. really sometimes it, it is a life and death decision sometimes. Yeah, and I'll start using that again on my husband for sure. And it's true though. Do you really want to have to make any of these like low-level just so, someone just please make a decision for me? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, and this brings us to rewards. Um. You know, it, it, a big one. I, we mentioned it earlier, but being able to successfully extubate a COVID patient for the first time in a long time the other day was a huge reward. Yeah. Um, um, otherwise, this year hasn't had, unfortunately, that's going to sound so morbid and sad, but, but th- there hasn't been a ton of rewards. Yeah. Um, I just actually started the other day making, um, taking kind of some advice from Anna. 
have mm-hmm. the burnout burnout book on Instagram. Um, kind of creating my own burnout book. I've just had a stack of like old Daisy awards and recognition <laughs> that has just been sitting in a file. And so I finally started putting that in a binder and kind of reading through those again. Yeah. Um, um, really reminded me why I chose to do this in the first place. Um, you know, that, that being able to help people, whether it's help survive or provide comfort in death, um, provide comfort in a family for a family at a time mm-hmm. of death, uh, any of those things. I honestly, most of my, um, like recognitions as I was reading through them were not from people who survived. It was from uh-huh. families of, of patients that passed and just the care that I provided for them in those final moments was being recognized. Yeah. And That's so, so um, <laughs> kind of as I was creating that burnout book, that was, uh, it just kind of reminded me of why we do what we do. And was a nice little reward. <laughs> and I think that's one thing that kind of plays into like our moral injury right now is like families don't see, since they're not allowed to come and see their COVID positive family member, uh-huh. they don't see the work that you're doing. They don't see the, you know, blood, sweat and tears that you're shedding for their family yeah. member to make sure that they're comfortable and, and, okay. you know, and make that sure you they're, really they're are comfortable. trying to do everything humanly possible for their loved right. one, because sometimes it does turn into a us against them situation And a lot of the times I feel like that's how the family um, approaches the situation or they feel like you're not doing everything that you can and they're not realizing that. And and sometimes we as nurses aren't realizing what they're, what, what level of grief that they're going through. Um, And, but because of that, like we're not seeing as many Daisy awards or nominations or those just letters of thank you, Mm -hmm. especially in the ICU where you know what I mean with these COVID positive patients so yeah absolutely you can turn back to the old ones I mean how many studies show that recognition is just one of the simplest ways to Mm -hmm. boost morale for nurses Mm -hmm. um and yeah you're not like you said you're not getting that anymore but it's no it's interesting that you brought it up that a lot of the times it's from it's not from family like you know, family members or patients that have made it and right and who are going on and living their life. And it's from the individuals who you help them through that transition um, to peacefully depart or, to, you know, things of that nature. I was actually literally before we got on this um, podcast interview today, I've been cleaning out drawers and like doing early spring cleaning. And I found a note with a card from from a patient's husband who had showed up back on the unit um, and wanted to you know, this individual passed away in our care, but specifically sought out to come back and see me because I had made such an impact on, um, on his life and, in, and her life. And they made the hard decision. And I, I will always remember her face. I will always remember her name, maybe not his name, but the patient. And because she has the same name as my mom, but, um, I will always remember that moment where I sat both of them down and I'm like, Hey, you know, this is what the doctors are saying. Let me, let me make, let me put this into human terms, right? Regular layman's terms, like where we can yeah. understand. And and this is the decision to make. And it was not it was not easy for either one of them. But I can take so much pride in the fact that um, I was not even pride, but this feeling that it's not pride, it's honor that I was able to be there for both of them from a from a standpoint of this of not just like this is your diagnosis and you need to seek palliative care but like walk them through those steps for end of life decision making because 
we are all going to die, right? It just depends on how we go out. It's not, it's not an if, it's a when. And to have that ability at the end of the day to say, I, I did something very hard, but I helped make these, this decision easy for them because I was able to explain it from a point of view that they can, they can understand. And as nurses, we have a different, um, we have a different calling sometimes than our medical physicians or PAs or NPs because we get 12 hours with them. We get to hear their stories about their kids, their loved ones. And to go back, those, those are the, the moments, like you were saying, Christian, that those, those are the things that stick with us. And that's why we do what we do. It's not always the yeah. ends of them getting to make it out alive. Those are great. But sometimes it's, it's the other end of the spectrum, which we've been yeah. seeing a lot in COVID, but not nearly as much in, in the sense of like elegantly being able to respectfully allow people to pass. Some patients and families get to do it, but with the constraints of, you know, how many people can be there and how often they can see their loved ones and, you know, precautions of out the wazoo. It's hard. Struggling times for yeah. family, for physicians for NPs, PAs, and and for nurses because this is the day in and the day out. And I think it's everybody's feeling it. Absolutely. And on that note, I have a sad story. <laughs> I was say, if we need to uplift it, one of the other things I found was from uh, students who had shadowed me for, through like our student nurse internship program uh-huh. who had wrote very nice cards and uh-huh. now are big real adult nurses and just hearing back from them has been a huge reward. Oh, I love that. Love that. <laughs> so Christian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, it's definitely been you. an informative one. Um, if you guys want to check out Christian more on social media, he has a, a ton of resources and he's just very fun to watch and his daughter and just kind of learning about him as, as a whole. You can find him at Redbeard RN on Instagram. Are you on any others? Um, are you on Twitter and all that stuff? I'm on Twitter, but uh, it's at Redbeard underscore RN mm-hmm. because at Redbeard RN is someone who has only one tweet and <laughs> it is crit- it is criticizing uh, Santita's tortilla chips for having too much air in the bag and not enough chips. <laughs> and I would like to say to Santita's that I actually love your chips and that is not my account. And if you want to sponsor me, you know, I would gladly take tortilla chips. Okay. (laughs) And then I'm also on Facebook, but it's pretty much a default from Instagram, just kind of posts to Facebook. Right, right. Um, That's actually funny that you say that because literally our our tag is at Nurses No Show. And the reason we're not at Nurses in the Know is because there's some grandma on Facebook that's at Nurses in the Know. And I didn't want everything to like not be cohesive. Yeah. And she hasn't so. posted in like five years. We're like, is she alive? Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> this, the guy who has the Redbeard RN, that was the only post and it was years ago. And I, I try to send DMs and messages like, hey, would you relinquish that name? But no. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> I don't think you're getting it. <laughs> but you might get so, it. <laughs> we really appreciate it. And it has been a blast. It's been a blast indeed. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I would gladly come back again. This was awesome. Awesome. Oh, you'll be in touch. Don't worry. (laughs) Thank you. Alrighty. Thank you so much. It was nice to kind of pseudo meet you. (laughs) 
Hopefully we'll get to meet one day in person. Maybe at one of the conferences. One day when this is all done. Yes. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget, every Friday we drop a new episode. And... If you, if you want to support us, make sure to get, leave us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. We're available on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. If you could also make sure that you're following us for our updates on our socials at Nurses No Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta.